Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox beat another week here on CLNS Radio. And, of course, we are, of course, brought to you by Loot Crate, the onslaught of big summer blockbusters. Makes the May the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. We've got something you can carry, something for your kitchen and cool figure to go with our monthly tea and pin. Featuring two Marvel temps plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z. No one crate should have all this power. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com backslash CLNS. And enter the promo code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore B. Facebook is Red Sox B Podcast. If you go to iTunes, you can subscribe, rate, and review us and share the wealth and spread the word on our lovely podcast. Um, guys, what's going on? Another week, another show? Another week, another show. I'm excited. Yeah, lots of yeah. fun topics to talk about this week. A lot of different storylines, and we'll be covering it all. Yeah, it's very exciting, and uh, that we're, we're now joined by a very special guest, uh, Dan Roach, WBZ. I'm sure you put him on the Sports Hub as well. Uh, Dan, what's going on? All good. Uh, you know, why not? Red Sox are uh, tied for first place, so life is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beginning of the year, we probably wouldn't have thought that was going to happen, so it's nice to see it for sure. Um, one guy that I have to ask you about, because these two know I'm nuts about him, is Xander Bogarts. Um, I'm already calling for this dude to go to the Hall of Fame, but is he, is he really the best uh, shortstop in the league right now? Well, he's one of them. You know what I mean? The, the way he's playing, uh, he's he's certainly, you know, top one, two, three uh, overall. When you talk about, you know, the, the beauty of the game right now is that there's so many good young shortstops coming through. You know, a guy like Bogarts, a guy like Carlos Correa. You look at some of the players that are there. Uh, it, it's a fantastic crop of shortstops. But Sanders playing out of his mind. I mean, he comes in off a weekend where he was what ten for fifteen, uh, two home runs, six or seven RBI. Uh, made, a, made a great running play, a heads-up baseball play on Saturday as a part of a double play where he, he beat out a throw and then went all the way to third and scored in the sack fly. So heads-up everywhere around. And, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a pretty special talent. The way he swings the bat, his approach, 
what he uses all field. Now starting to develop a little bit more power. So, yeah, life is pretty good if you're a Xander Bogarts fan or if you have uh, stock in the Xander Bogarts company right now. Are, are you – do you need him to hit more than 20 home runs, Dan, to be happy? Or are you happy with the – I know Derek Jeter comparisons have been thrown around a lot, but like 15 to 20, is that a comfortable range for him to be power-wise over the course of the summer? I'd be more than happy with that. You know, I think he may get more, but I'm fine with that. The way the kid plays the game, if you're a number three hitter, you're going to hit three, you know, 320, 340, 350 uh, with, with 15 to 20 home runs and, and 80 to 100 RBI and 20 stolen bases and a, and a good defense or a real above average defense. What, what, what's there not to like? Uh, you know, I, I hear a lot about the, the power numbers and everything else that he maybe needs more power, but, you know, Derek Jeter mm-hmm. had a heck, heck of a career a Hall of Fame career, and if uh, Bogart comes anywhere close to that, I think he'll be more than satisfied as a Red Sox fan with what he does. Well, he's definitely on that track so far, that's that's for sure. Dan, let's move <laughs> to the uh, to some of the pitching here, and let's start with the guy who has been the actual ace, not not who we thought was going to be the ace, but actually who is, obviously that's Stephen Wright. Um, now at this point, two months into the season, a little over two months, do you think that Wright can keep this up this entire year, and if he does for the next month, he should definitely be in the All-Star game, right? And should he start the All-Star game? What do you think about that? Well, he's certainly, uh, you know, close. I mean, if you, you think of guys that may be deserving of the opportunity, like Chris Sale is a possibility just off the top of my head. But, sure, with what you've seen from Stephen Wright, he has been the ace of this Red Sox team so far. And, and he's a great story. You know, he's he, he battled a, a long time. It's been hard for him. Uh, but the one thing about knuckleballers, and we've seen it firsthand with Tim Wakefield, is you, you can get on a run. Uh, you know, we've seen it in the past with uh, you know, R.A. Dickey has done it when he won a Cy Young Award. You can go a whole season on that type of run. And so far, so good with Stephen Wright when it, when it comes to a guy that was talked about as maybe securing and having a bullpen spot coming out of uh, Fort Myers to, to where he is now as your, you know, top starter. Uh, it's a great story. So, sure. You'd like to see him start the All-Star game. I'd just like to see him make the All-Star game and, and see if he can continue this run that he's on. But right now, the one thing you're getting out of Stephen Wright is a quality start, six or seven innings, uh, you know, a few hits, a couple of runs uh, with some strikeouts. I'll take that any day. So uh, he's a great story, a, a good addition to the starting staff, and certainly, uh, they, you know, where they would be without him, who knows, because of what's happened around David Price and everybody else. Do you think he would not make – would he would not be the start of the All-Star game just because he's not a name guy? No, no. I, I think there's a lot of factors nowadays that go into the All-Star game. Some of them is number of spots. Uh, I, I think when you look at the Red Sox and, and where they are, you know, and again, it's early June, so there's still a few weeks, but you know, think of who's going to possibly make this All-Star team from the Red Sox. You've got to start with David Ortiz, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr. and, you know, Mookie Betts is certainly a, a big argument there. Dust Pedroia is certainly having an all-star type first half. There's just, at some point, uh, you start to sit there and say, okay, how many guys, how many Red Sox players can we put on this team? That's all. Uh, he, he certainly would deserve it. I, I don't think the name is an issue. Uh, I think people around baseball certainly now know what Stephen Wright has done and what he's capable of. Uh, I think sometimes it might just be right run out of spots when it comes to this uh the pitching staff and just having to have guys from every single team in there. So that's the only way I could see it too. But uh, he, he certainly does deserve to be on the all-star team. Uh, whether or not he starts, that's another matter, you know, for the manager timing and everything else too. Uh, but I, I hope he makes it just because he's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, kind of staying with the pitching, um, are you, do you have any concerns about Eduardo uh, Rodriguez like this last year? 
what he is, or is he still hurt? Like, what's going on with him? Well, I think it's early. You know, the fact that he got hurt in spring training set him back, as we all know. Uh, I thought against the Twins the other day, he came out, he had really good stuff. He had, like, everything was down, down and in. His, uh, his changeup was good. His breaking ball was good. His fastball was 24 to 9. Uh, the problem that he ran into is maybe he got too fine and, and, and tried to be too good and started walking people, and that hurt him. So uh, I, I think, he, you know, think about it. He's, he's maybe in his third start or so where other guys are in, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th start. So uh, I give him time, uh, and, I, and I, you know, you sit him down. If you're Carl Willis, John Farrell, says, listen, attack, uh, go right at him if you have that stuff. And don't be afraid to use it. So, no, I'm not worried about Eduardo Rodriguez. I think I, I like his makeup. I like everything about him. Uh, I just think he needs a little bit more time. So, uh, you know, certainly didn't have the best start when it comes to what he did Saturday in Minnesota. Uh, it needs to go longer to help out the bullpen, but I think he'll be okay. Dan, obviously there's a lot of season left. Um, everyone's been playing well for the most part. Ortiz and Bogart's kind of primarily here for me, but um, – who do you think is the most valuable to this team right now? If you had to, if you had to pick one person, if you took one person off this team, that would hurt them the most. Oh boy, uh, that, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I kind of go with a tie with Ortiz and Bogarts simply because of, of what they bring. I think Bogarts is a, is, a, is becoming more and more of a leader. But David kind of has been driving the bus, and I think this year he's really driving the bus as far as you know playing for David, playing for him in that final season. Uh, so I, I think he's been your MVP so far. He continues to come up with big hit after big hit, but Bogarts is certainly catching him uh, in that category. But I would say David Ortiz uh, right now with this team and everything that's going through him with the, you know, the final tour and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So I, I would pick Ortiz and then Bogarts. Certainly, you know, Betts and Jackie Proudly Jr. and company certainly have all right been there too. Just a quick, quick follow-up on that, Dan. If, if the season ended today as well, do you think David Ortiz would win MVP for the league? You know, he'd be in the running. You know, you look at it, and, we, you know, we talk about different guys. Josh Donaldson is certainly one of the most feared hitters in the game. He's been banged up a little bit. Uh, trying to think off the top of my head some of the other players that, you know, perhaps would be up for that award. But, yeah, I mean, if the season ended right now, David Ortiz would be right there uh, in the argument. He's, you know, having an historic season even for him. So uh, and where they where they finished and what they've done, uh, you know, Mark Trumbo, a guy from Baltimore, <laughs> is a guy that's, that's uh, had, a, had a tremendous start, too. So, you know, I, I think there's different guys. He, he, you know, Ian Desmond off the top of my head is another guy that's gone above and beyond. But right now there's no question in my mind that David Ortiz is the most valuable player in the American League and with a guy like Bogarts right there in the running, too. So, uh, you know, I, I think if we stopped today, maybe I would, I would definitely give it to Ortiz, but there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask because I was just looking at the numbers earlier today, and he you know he leads the American League in in doubles, in RBI, and slugging percentage, on base percentage. He leads the league in like half the categories. <laughs> it's nuts. It's crazy. It, so it really is, and, and to what he's doing, it's it's it, as we all know, it's amazing to watch. The only thing that I've, I've got, become concerned at is in Minnesota, he had noticeably uh, a bit more trouble running. Uh, you know, we hit a ball off the center field wall, and he and he you know was forced to a single. Because he couldn't, granted it was a laser, but he was forced to maybe not be able to run as hard as he can. So I worry about his Achilles. It's been a problem. I think he goes through more than people know. He's trying to get ready for every single game. They're trying to manage that, give him some days off. But people talk about, hey, you should keep playing. And I would love to see it too. But 
I really think it, it's taking a toll on his body. And, and you know, the, the biggest priority of this Red Sox team is to keep them in, in, in contention and to keep Ortiz preserved for the entire season because of how good he is. I, I think people say, hey, why don't you come back and play for $30 million next year? In my mind, you know, maybe he signs the, if you're ever going to come back, sign like a Roger Clemens deal and start after the trade deadline. Start August 1st and, and join the team for however many years you want to do it after then and pay him whatever he wants. So, uh, But I, I think managing David Ortiz is one of the big priorities of this Red Sox team going forward for the final three and a half months. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Kind of on the on a uh, one who's not doing as well, uh, Hanley Ramirez, he's kind of flying under the radar because the offense and the team is playing so well. Do you feel like he's getting a free pass? Guys are going to go through their ups and downs, and you try to keep as many guys hot as you can and, and win ball games that way. So, you know, Hanley's a professional hitter with me. Again, it comes back to health. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he's had a couple of uh, hiccups defensively, but for the most part, I think he's done a good job. So, no, I, I don't worry about him from the sense of should we, you know, move him? Should we put someone else at first or something like that? Uh, I, I think he's been just fine. And, and, again, to me, if he stays healthy, I think he'll be fine as the season goes on, and he'll start to pick it up and hit better and everything else. So uh, I, I think they're good when it comes to Hanley Ramirez, despite some worries from people out there. I think uh, calm, calm down a little bit. Uh, I think Hanley will be okay. That's that's reassuring to hear. Um, <laughs> staying in the infield with Travis Shaw, is this the real him, or is he just in a slump? Or do we have anything to worry about with him? Well, I, I think now you find out. I mean, that's the the beauty of baseball is, you know, we've seen guys come out and perform at elite levels. We've seen Jackie Bradley Jr. come out and, you know, hit 350 in the month of August, uh, you know, last year, and then hit 220 in September, and then come out and, 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 and go at it again. Guys, it happens all the time with, with certain guys. They'll, they'll struggle, and they'll come back, struggle, come back. Uh, Travis Shaw has had an awful lot of success. He's got a makeup. He's, his dad was a major league ball player. He, he can see it in him, the way he walks, the way he acts. He's got an air of confidence about him as far as being a big leaguer. Uh, but you go through a period of time where you get challenged with a fastball, and, and that's what major league pitchers do. Uh, and they'll do that until they start to get beat, and they started to get beat the first two months of the season, and now, you know, scouts, advanced scouts, they're all looking at him and saying, how do we beat him, how do we attack him, and they're finding out. They're throwing him off-speed stuff, they're trying to pound him inside and then throw stuff away, uh, and it's working. So now, the, the, the beauty of the game is, is you adjust back. You, you look at what and how they're attacking you, you work with your pitching coach, or excuse me, your hitting coach, you say, how do we attack back? This is what we do. We need to jump on this, look for this, look for this spot, look for this pitch in this certain spot because they're not going to throw you a fastball, and, and then you adjust back. So now we're at that point with Shaw. Can he make that adjustment back? And that will decide whether or not uh, he's, he's a, a flash in the pan or if he's a consistent big leaguer. If he can adjust, steady himself, get back, I think he'll be fine. If not, you know, he may turn it back down to the minor leagues, and then we'll see after that. So, all part of the maturation process from a kid who's done real well so far, but he's kind of teetering right now as far as uh, can he be an everyday uh, good, solid major league player. He's just not there yet. Okay, we're talking to Dan Roach here, WBZ TV, and of course, 985 The Sports Hub. Um, Dan, obviously, we know the pitching is the biggest issue, I think, on this team, and it's really not a shocker for me to say that to you, but um, what with trade chips like Swihart and Travis being hurt, what can they realistically do? What, what does Dombrowski have up his sleeve come deadline time at this point? 
Well, I, I think it's patience. I think that's the biggest thing with Dombrowski is, you know, they made their moves in the offseason. They gave up the prospects to get Kimbrell. They signed David Price. And, and now you sit there, and, and like you said, you got a couple guys banged up. you got Swihart, who could be out for the season. you got, you got a kid like Sam Travis, who's out for the season. You have a lot of chips at the double-A level, some of the uh, – in the high-A level. Uh, someone in the Red Sox front office told me, you know, about three weeks ago that uh, when he went to see the, the high-A level of Red Sox players, the Moncadas of the world, the Beavers, uh, Ben Attendees, that it was the best collection of young minor league hitters he's ever seen in his 20-year you know, career of, of, of being in the game. So those are your chips that you have. The question is, who do you give up? You know, do you feel like it's a Ben Attendee? Is he or is he too elite? Uh, is it a Mokata? Do you think he can adjust it and, and go? So if you're Dombrowski and Mike Hayes in the company, you have to have these conversations. And then you have to go out and see what's out there. And if there's something that you feel is, is good enough to give up a young player, then you go get it. If it's not, then, you know, maybe you chip the scrape and, and find some guys that will give you innings, some veterans, some veteran pitchers, uh, some relievers, uh, and, you, and you bring them in and you wait. And then you go out and see what's available in the off season. So, I think they're pretty smart. I think they know what they have, uh, and I think that they'll give up certain guys, but they won't give up others. So, you know, whether it's the Sly Arts of the world, uh, whether it is a Sam Travis one day, whether it is a Moncada, uh, whether it is the Deavers, and then you look at who's also behind you. You know, Betts is going to be in the outfield, Jackie Bradley Jr. So you, all those factors come into play here. I know that's not really a direct answer, but I think, you know, you kind of trust Dombrowski and Nathan and company to say these are the untouchables in our in our farm system and then make the right move and say yes when you feel like that guy's there that can help you win and contend for a playoff spot and win a world championship. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see if they get someone because obviously I know there's been talk of Sonny Gray, Julio Tejera on those kinds of guys. So, I mean, who knows what you have to give up for those guys, especially, I guess, Gray because he's young. But he struggled too. So I guess I guess we'll just see what, what happens. Um, but but sticking on with the pitching, Dan, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of talk about who the fifth starter should be now that the Sox are going to need a fifth starter soon. Here, I know there's talk of uh, Rowanus uh, Elias or Elias um, is being the top contender now. Do you think they're better off with him than they are with, say, Clay Buckholtz or Joe Kelly? Because obviously they're the people everyone knows, but they both struggled. So do you think going a different option would be good, or should they try one of them again? Well, I, I think it's an interesting uh, conversation uh, from the sense of, well, let's begin with, I think Joe Kelly's banged up, so you may, you know, rule him out. Uh, I, I think if you look at Elias and, and what he's done to the minor league level, he's certainly pitched very well his last several starts. He's kind of the obvious guy that you would give the opportunity to. Henry Owens hasn't really taken off uh, on the same level of, uh, as uh, Elias just yet. Uh, another name in consideration. And, but then you also sit there and say, if you're John Farrell and Carl Willis and Dave Dabrowski, uh, hey, you know, do we give Clay another shot? You know, because the one thing about Clay Buckholz is people, you can rip him all you want, and you know, yes, he's underperformed this year and everything else, but there's always, when he's healthy, and he seems to be healthy, there's always a run in Clay Buckholz for the sense of he can go 10 or 11 starts and, and, and be almost unhittable. Go nine and one, eight and two, seven and three with a low ERA. He has that in him. So if you give him another shot, you have the potential to get him on another run. So uh, I think that's the one thing that's being weighed. So right now, uh, you'd say Eliash is the, is the favorite, uh, but a guy like Clay Buckles could be worth a gamble 
or do you just continue to let him work out of the bullpen and see if he can get better and better and better and then give him the start? I will say you just made Jess very happy uh, <laughs> that you are praising Clay Buckholz because we don't do enough of it on this show, Dan. So you probably just made it very happy, Dan. <laughs> I am the number one person to bash Clay Buckholz, so you have just made Jess a very happy I'm man. I've never once heard of him, so there we go. Yes. <laughs> pretty much. Well, you know, um, again, we, we, we live in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society and stuff. And in baseball, it's a long journey. And, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say Clay Buckholz is the best and the greatest and everything else. But he, he has those runs in him. And, and keep in mind, this is a kid who, you know, in 2013, you know, his, his shoulder was, was hurting, and he went out and got it through five innings in a critical game in, in St. Louis in the World Series and helped them win a World Series championship. So you mm-hmm. can say what you want about him. You can call him this and, and make fun of him and everything else. He does have it in him. Uh, the question is, will he have it in him again for the Boston Red Sox? But I'm not as quick to dismiss guys just because I know – how difficult it is, and I know that you have to show patience as a general manager uh, when it comes to what you're trying to accomplish over 162 games. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I can see both sides of it. I just, I hate, I'm getting sick of waiting for him at this point because it's been so consistent over the last years of just being inconsistent. But um, one question I have for you, Dan, is the David Price situation, and I don't really think it's much of a situation, um, but I want to ask your thoughts on it because I've seen some people say, you know, Price still isn't pitching well enough. I personally think he's doing really well at this point. He's gotten back on track. Um, What's your take on David Price so far? Do you think he's starting to figure it out? Obviously, Tuesday in Baltimore is going to be a huge start for him uh, with them tied with Baltimore for first place, but what's going on with David Price right now? Um, Is he living up to, I can't say living up to his contract because it's a crap ton of money, but is he doing okay right now for your liking? Well, I went and looked at his numbers today and uh, looked at last year when he had, you know, whatever his, his numbers were fantastic last year. And basically through 13 starts, he's got very comparable numbers. It's almost he's, gonna, he's giving you seven innings. He's going to allow five, six, seven hits. He's going to allow two earned runs. He's going to walk two or three, and he's going to strike out six or seven. Those numbers are almost identical from last year to this year. The only difference is this year – uh, in, in 17, uh, uh, in, excuse me, in 32 starts last year, he gave up 17 home runs. In 13 starts this year, he's given up 10 home runs. So the long ball has hurt him. Uh, it hurt him in San Francisco. But especially if you go back and look at his last six starts, he's been pretty consistent, and it's been pretty much what you'd expect out of David Price. The question is, because of the money spent on him, do we have too, too much of a high expectation for him every time he throws the baseball? where you expect him to throw seven shutout innings and strike out 12. Uh, that, that's not necessarily him. So it depends on, on what your level of expectations are. Uh, I think he's settled in. I think he's going to get better, and I think he's been just fine so far. Uh, he hasn't been great. He hasn't shown us that greatness that we've seen, but I think he's been pretty good. And I think if he continues to pitch the way he's pitched the last uh, you know, half a dozen starts, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I think David Price is, is, is trending in the right direction for sure, and I think we'll guess we'll leave it there. Dan, um, again, Dan Rose, WBZ and the Sports Sub. Dan, we appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. You're more than welcome to join us anytime you'd like. All right, my pleasure. Enjoy the uh, rest of the season as we keep going. It's fun. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Dan. That is Dan Roach, WBZ and 985 The Sports Sub. We appreciate him joining us on this show. 
guys, he's awesome. I love Dan Rose. Yeah, um, <laughs> his person, his personality is so great, and I listen to him a lot. Um, if you if you guys listen to the Touch and Rich program on ninety five Sports Hub, he's obviously on with them a lot, um, and he, that's where his personality shines. And I love that's why I had to get him on. Uh, he's a great guest. I'm sure we can snag him on at some point down the road. But um, Jess, you must be really happy with the way he was talking about Clay Buckholz. Yeah, between uh, between talking about Buckholz's enthusiasm for just baseball and life in general, I, that was great. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. Yeah, no, it was definitely great. Um, and, of course, Dan Roach was brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the high standards and ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron has established partners with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and across the United States. As a result, seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Beef is raised humanely. Chickens are free-range. Pork is raised naturally. Uh, cooking together obviously builds strong family bonds as well, and that's part of what they are doing. Uh, the three of us have been using Blue Apron now um, for a while, and, and I've had great experience with them so far. I know you guys have too. Yeah, it's been fun to get like just different meals every week, and I've never had a bad one yet, so keep them coming. Yeah, they've all, they've all been great. I'm actually uh, making one tonight after the show. There you go. The devil. Yeah, you go. What are you making? Um, I actually don't know. We got three options, and we haven't decided yet what we're gonna what we're gonna do. Oh. So we got a couple options, and we got some uh, huevos rancheros. <laughs> Ooh, <that's laughs> yeah, and delicious. we got we got some salmon too. So we got a, we got a couple really good options. We'll have to raid the fridge and see what we feel like tonight. I made yeah. I made the salmon. Um, yesterday's steakhouse salmon oh it was so Ooh. good that's the one oh, i have, had that. i got that i got that one too it's so good oh i had pan seared salmon last week now i got steakhouse salmon this week so give me all Dude, the salmon you, you guys can never go wrong with salmon so uh <laughs> that that is for sure but there's more than salmon and and they have variety they're very flexible and it's very easy step-by-step directions um it's a great thing and, and check out this week's menu and get your two free meals with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash red Sox beat you will love how good it feels and tastes to create memorable home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash red Sox beat blue apron a better way to cook um and of course Dan Roach is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, guys, he made a lot of good points. I know we had touched on um, – we started with Xander Bogarts because I had to. Um, guys, I honestly think he could win the batting title and maybe even league MVP by this year. He's that good, I think. Yeah, he's really shown his, his true colors, I guess you could say, for, for this season. Just on the field or at the plate, at shortstop, just he's doing everything right. And he's been so much fun to watch. He's just – He's really just like I mean the whole team is a bright spot this season, but he's just one to talk about each and every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even specify it, but when I when I came up with the question about would you give MVP to Ortiz or Bogarts, I meant league MVP. I know you you said team MVP, and that works perfectly well too. We asked them both, but I was my mindset was on the league MVP just because, like I said, I was looking through the stats for both of them, and they're just absolutely nuts. These guys are unbelievable this year, and I know it makes sense because the offense is obviously the best offense in the league been the case the entire season no question about that but with these two guys leading it it's just like their numbers are absolutely nuts I, 3, <laughs> 360 or he's hitting 345 like they are literally they can't every game like every game's two three four hits home runs yeah. rbi everything it's just it's amazing i can't believe how good bogarts is it's, it's the batting wow. title was what what did what did miggy win the batting title with last last year like 320 um i think it was like 330 something 335 maybe 
like, I'm pretty sure Xander Bogarts is going to win the batting title with, like, 340 this year. Like, I just, I know it's only June, I should really should pump the brakes on him, but I don't even care. Because just watching him, like, with the eye test, you can tell he's been impactful in a lot of these games. I know the 4 for 5 effort was with the Twins, and we're going to recap the week here in a minute, but still, this eye test, he, he's a pure hitter. Yeah. Just, just how good he is at everything. Just like defense, hitting, you know, he's got the power stroke now, RBI, base running. Like he does it all. I, I, I know I said before the season, like, I think Betts has a higher ceiling. And you now I may still think that overall, but just based on what we've seen so far, Bogarts is just out of this world. Yeah, no, Bogarts is um, playing well, of course, and I, I'm very biased because he's my binky, but he is phenomenal, and I think that he's half the reason, if not more, why this team is really going, and he's in a great spot hitting in the three-hole. Um, Jess, why don't we recap the week real quick, get get people caught up on what happened, and then we'll jump back into what to- what kind of bigger topics for the games this week, because there's some stuff to talk about what happened in these games. Yeah, shorter week this week. Um, overall, it was a three-and-two week. Thank you, thank you. I know I got the series is wrong, but I still got the overall record, <laughs> so I'm just going to continue to... to uh, <laughs> praise myself for my picking. <laughs> well, no one saw them losing to the J- Twins at all. So, no. yeah, that was could have easily been a sweep, could have been either. It was obviously, yeah, we'll get into that, but the Giants series was a really fun one. That was a great series. Just two games, too bad for for fans they couldn't have been more because it was <laughs> it was great. Um oh, I know. really exciting series, a lot of really close games. Uh so we'll start with Tuesday. This was an extra inning affair, a 10 inning game. And the Red Sox won five to three over the Giants. A lot of scoring early in this game, but then that was it until late. Um, second inning, Chris Young got an RBI double to start the scoring off. Uh, Bogarts got an RBI single in the third inning to make it two nothing. Uh, but then uh, Jarrett Parker hit a home run off of uh, Rick Porcello, who started the game. It was Porcello against Albert Suarez, a rookie who was just getting his second or third start. They both pitched really well. Uh, that was the first pick up for, for Porcello, the Parker home run, and made it 2-1. to one. Uh, And then Porcello really fell apart in the fourth inning. He loaded up the bases. He walked Brandon Carford with the bases loaded to tie to two. And then Gregor Blanco grounded a double play, scored a run. That made it 3-2. to two. But Porcello mm-hmm. settled down after that. He was good for the rest of the time. Uh, and then the Red Sox tied it up in the seventh inning. Um, and this was excellent, excellent awareness by uh, Chris Young. It was a David Ortiz ground out, and... Um, he got thrown out at first eventually, but it was hit to the uh, second baseman, and Chris Young was running to second, but he stopped, gave Jackie Bradley Jr. enough time to get home and, while Ortiz was going to first, and he stopped, and then he ducked down, and he was trying to get tagged out by the fielder, and he literally missed him by, like, a fingernail, and he just got low enough below the tag to not get tagged out, and he ended up not getting tagged out, and Bradley scored and tied the game at three. That was a huge play. Yeah, it was crazy, and watching it in full speed, I thought he got tagged. Um, I, th- I was like, how the heck did he avoid that? And then they show it in like super slow-mo like they like to do sometimes, um, and he like it was inches that he missed getting tagged by. So obviously great heads-up play by Chris Young, and he's been someone, and we could have asked Dan about this, but we didn't, but he's been playing really well as of late as well, uh, and he's showing the reasons why I think a lot of people liked his signing as well when they first got him in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think he'd be so such a clutch player. I mean, I knew he was going to be decent but he's just come up so big when we really need him to and especially lately with Swihart out and he's just really stepped up and he's proven that he can still play baseball and still just be a clutch player 
I mean, I can't say that I didn't expect it because I predicted him to get 23 to 28 home runs this year. So <laughs> that, might, that may be a little bit off considering he has five right now, but he's gotten all five of them recently and has been playing the lights out. And he's, his average has gone way up. He's gotten the, the home runs. He's made some nice plays in the field. And obviously with base running plays like this, that always makes a huge difference because base running gets over overlooked. Uh, and it's a huge part of the game, which we saw numerous times this week. So that was exciting. And, yeah, it was fun to watch that super slow-mo replay because it just shows you how close some plays actually can be because that was nuts how close that was. All right, so that tied the game at three, and sure enough, because it was tied at three, it went to extra innings, and in the top of the tenth inning, Xander Bogart said he, you know, Xander Bogart, <laughs> that guy, uh, two, two <laughs> RBI singles. I stud, that's all, my, my boy. Yep, he won the game, two RBI single to center field, gave the Sox a 5-3 lead, and then Craig Kimbrell shut him down in the bottom of the tenth, one, two, three, Sorry, he overhit. But he didn't go up any runs or walks. Um, got the three outs. Sealed it up for the Red Sox. Porcello pitched well uh, besides one inning. Overall, six innings, five hits, three runs, six strikeouts. Good, solid game. Very good win. And uh, started off the week on a good track. Um, brought us into Wednesday. It's funny, these games were 10-15 games, and I'm sure a lot of fans stayed up for both of them because they were so close the entire time, both of them. So they killed – the Sox slowly killed – the uh, Red Sox population as they got up early for work the next day. But, hey, you know what? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the commitment you make on West Coast games. That's right. Yeah. Yep. If they're close, you know, I can't go to bed in a close game. I know that. So <laughs> no matter what time it is or what time I have to get up. So that's what happened. It was it was another really good game on, on uh, Wednesday. And this was the game that everyone expected to be good because it was David Price against Madison Bumgarner. And they lived up to their billing. Bumgarner pitched six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, five strikeouts. Price, eight inning, complete game, three hit, two run, two walk, seven Ks. The difference is one home run. We'll get to that in a second. Start in the fourth. Um, after three dominant innings for both of them, Chris Young hit a home run. <laughs> Speak of the devil. That guy. Um, that was his uh, fifth of the season. And he made a one nothing. Unfortunately for the Red Sox and Price, Brandon Belt, and I know this has been used a lot, but he belted. Oh. Really long home run. I, I hate you so much. <laughs> that was a belt, though. I mean, he he. Just no, it was. That. I agree. That's like what belt the the word belt was made for. <laughs> <laughs> he hit it all the way to McCovey Cove. It was a blast. He hit it so far right into the water. The fan was swimming out there, picking up the ball, freezing. It was great. Um, for everybody that wasn't a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I was like, that was not great. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was cool. It was fun to watch, just not for us. Yeah, it was. Um. It was tough. My brother was at that game, so he was texting me all furious. I was already in bed. But, um, <laughs> and you admit not being one of those fans who stays up all night long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a rough week, so I did not stay up. I've stayed up the night before, too, which is the funniest part. I stayed up for the game that wasn't supposed to be better. Um, I saw the win, so that's good. I did see the win. But, but David Price is getting a lot of attention from this game because he, let, he gave up, obviously, that home run. Um, and that it was a meatball, it really was. He served up a curveball to a guy who should not have been getting a curveball. But... I don't blame him for the reason why the Red Sox lost that game. Some people are, and I think that's just ridiculous. And that's kind of why I asked Rochi about David Price and how he feels about him, but because some guys are still questioning his 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 uh, gonads, I guess you can call it, and his ability to pitch in big spots and win those two one games. Some people are questioning that still. And I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's obviously tough. This game was tough. He um, just to skip ahead. Um, he fished great until the eighth inning, gave up a leadoff home run to Mac Williamson. A uh, guy who's barely even played before, um, and that made it two to one. First pitch of the eighth inning, and then that was it. The, the uh, Giants won two to one. 
Uh, Price play, pitched the entire game. Like I said, only three hits the entire game. Two of them were those two home runs. So really, it was just the just the wrong wrong hit at the wrong time. He pitched the same amount of uh, six more pitches than Bumgarner in two more innings. You know, at one point Bumgarner was at 100 pitches and Price was at like 70. So Price was a lot more um, economical with his pitches, which was obviously great to see because there's been numerous Price starts this year where he's pitched five innings and he already has like 95 pitches. This was not one of those games, which was great. But yeah, yep. just one bad one uh, one bad pitch at, at a bad point in the eighth inning when it was when it was one to one. So definitely a really good start for him. It was definitely really encouraging. Overall, for me and Price is just is, I mean, at this point, I just don't 100 percent feel comfortable with him every time. I know he's pitched better, and I'm not like dreading his starts by any means. But it's not. I don't have like that feeling like ah, I know this is going to be a great game. I'm still not 100 percent sure every time he goes out. I feel better about it. But and maybe it's the money speaking, and maybe it's the expectations we all have. <laughs> I know we just we talked about that earlier, and that's probably part of it. But it's just I don't know, just a little sliver of me just does not feel comfortable all the time. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I, it's funny, I don't like just like you said, I don't get that. Oh, it's gonna be a great start feeling, but I also don't get that like when Joe Kelly's on the mound kind of feeling. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, right in the middle. Like I don't really have expectations. Like if he does bad, I'm gonna be like, well. We've seen this before, which is great. I'm going to be happy. So it's a little <laughs> happy medium with David Price. Um, with David Price, I, I can see why people feel like that. But I think I, I, I brought it up when, when I asked Dan the question too. But he Tuesday is a big start for him, guys. When, when we can, pre, we're obviously going to look at that week ahead too. But you're playing Baltimore on Tuesday with a you're tied for first place with David Price pitching your next game against Baltimore. That's a game that he needs to win. And he needs to win in dominant fashion to really show that he, okay, guys, I'm your ace, let's go. Get on my back. And it's also a huge game uh, and for that same reason, because he's pitching Tuesday and Stephen Wright's pitching Wednesday. If Wright has his normal start, if Price is a dominant start on Tuesday, there's two wins against the Orioles right there in games you want to yeah. win because that's supposedly, at least this year, your two best pitchers. Especially if, too, you win later in the year, if you guys are battling with the, um, these two teams are battling all year, these wins within the division are huge, and they haven't been that great in the division as of late, so they need to get every win as possible, of course. Right, and when you're looking at, at those two games that, you know, you got your, you got your guy who's ERA's 209 and the guy you paid $217 million, you want to win those games at home, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely something to watch for. Uh, we'll look forward to that and preview it a little bit later. Um, so that was a giant series, just those two games, uh, one and one. Easily could have been zero and two. Easily could have been two and zero. Easily could have been one and one. It really could have gone anywhere. <laughs> it was it was a fun series. I really enjoyed it. So I didn't feel bad about me saying they were going to lose both because it could have happened. But like I said, it could have gone any which way. That's what great series are. That's I wish all series were like that. That's that's fun. That's that's what you want to watch. Good baseball. Yeah. Which brought us into the weekend series. Another off day Thursday. Off day city this week. Um, well, that's why you'd never fit starter because all these off teams. Right. Plenty of time to get some rest. Uh, which brought us into the twin series. We all predicted sweep, and we looked really nice after uh, after the first game on Friday. Eight to one victory over the Twins. Um, this was an interesting game because it was scoreless through four innings. It was kind of like it was kind of like, oh, well, where's the offense? This is the worst team in the league. We should be getting. Run, 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 runs. But fortunately, yep. fortunately, with bad teams, you just gotta wait. <laughs> <laughs> and usually, the wheels fall off. Whether that's bad defense, bad pitching, no offense, kind of every everything for them. Their their defense blows. Their their offense is terrible. Their pitching's awful. 
So it worked out well in all in all regards in this game. Uh, Xander Bogarts, speak of the devil, had a three-run homer Boy. in the fifth inning, made it 3 nothing. That was uh, a great start and broke the ice, got on the board. Uh, and then it was just bombs away from there because in the sixth inning, three more runs, a Christian Vasquez RBI single, Dustin Pedroia RBI double, Xander Bogarts again, RBI single, and all of a sudden it was 6 nothing after six innings after it was scoreless through four. So that was a good mm-hmm. start. Um, the Twins got one back in the eighth inning on a ground out, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. got a two-RBI triple in the ninth inning to make it 8-1. So the offense was flowing. Bogarts was 4-for-5 with four RBI. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pedroia was 3-for-5 with an RBI. Bradley was 2-for-5 with two RBI. It's a real good offensive game. And, of course, on the mound, our man Stephen Wright, if you're sitting here wondering who's putting up all these zeros, uh, Stephen Wright, 7-and-3rd, third. Excuse me, seven hits, one run. It wasn't even earned. Two walks, six strikeouts, and as you said earlier, it improved his ERA to 209, and his record is now 7-4, and four, more getting to the track of what it should be with that ERA. Yeah, and this is just getting ridiculous with Stephen Wright pitching as well. I know it's the Twins, but Xander Bogart's going 4-for-5. for five. Um, what, I mean, there's nothing really much you can say. It, it, they did what they were supposed to. They took care of the Twins. They moved on to the next game. Well, this this was good, too, because it's like, you you know, you see if someone struggles against a bad team, you really question them. If they do well against a bad team, you're like, yeah, this is what should be happening. But then you also have to think about, like, these guys, we think they're, like, these really good players. If they can hit these bad teams, that just shows you really how good they are because they can do these things against these good teams. Bogarts gets four hits against this team. Clearly he's really good because he's just destroying bad teams, which just means he's even better than you'd think. Stephen Wright pitching great. It's like, yep, he just continues to pitch well against the teams he should be. just shows you that he's even better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I definitely agree. Um, he's been doing it against everybody, so it's just amazing to watch, and I'm, I'm excited that we're still going with it. I could yeah. watch that knuckleball all day. Just, so good. Oh my god! I I must like the Red Sox posted a video of it, and I must have just watched it like six times over. It was just so good. I'm pretty sure you share videos of every Stephen Wright start. I <laughs> like when they do the slow motion of a knuckleball, and you just watch it just float. It's just oh, it's amazing. I I'm I'm gonna watch it after we do the show. <laughs> I guess with Stephen Wright, what were you like with Tim Wakefield? Like <laughs> right, so many years of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have social media when Tim Wakefield was a. Uh, <laughs> That is very true. <laughs> he was there a long time to to enjoy. So, but yeah, I mean, like like Dan Roche said, it's it's guys like that can get on runs, and they've all done it. You know, Wakefield in this prime is doing this. R.A. Dickey had his MVP year, um, Cy Young year, and Wright's doing it now. It's just Wright's more unexpected than them because you know he's already in his 30s, and it was like, whoa, this guy can do this. It's awesome. It's, <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this brings into um, Saturday. Another one of those games, I mean, a little deceiving because 4 nothing after one inning, but then scores for the next four innings to the Red Sox. So it's like, huh, what's going on with this team? Like, why, why aren't we just beating them to a pulp? Start at the beginning, uh, Bogart's RBI double in the first inning. Speak of the devil, always. Um, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. had a three-run homer in the first inning, and it was 4 nothing after after half an inning, um, which was great. Uh, unfortunately, Eduardo Rodriguez... Um, didn't feel like keeping that lead. He held him down for the first three innings scoreless, which is a really good sign. But then in the fourth inning, he gave a three-run homer to Kurt Suzuki. That made it 4-3, to three. and then an inning later, Trevor Pluth tied it with a sack fly, and all of a sudden, boom, that 4 nothing lead against the worst team in the league, gone. <laughs> Absolutely gone. 
like that, four to four. And uh, Rodriguez only lasted four and two thirds innings, six hits, four runs, four walks, four strikeouts. He did not look good. Yeah, no, he didn't. Um, and it's a hiccup game, I know, but it's just it's it, it wasn't. I mean, it was fun to watch. It's baseball for me, but like it, it was tough because he he didn't look consistent as he had been, and it wasn't great. It wasn't great pitching. No, it wasn't, and it doesn't get much simpler than that. It just wasn't good pitching at all. And as we said, when you have a bad outing against a bad team, that's even worse because you're like, wow, this guy came pitching against the worst team. Mm-hmm. That's not, yeah. not comforting. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not because the Twins are not good. We'll get to him after we do the recap because I do want to talk about him a little more. But back to this game, um, <laughs> like I said, 4-4, four to, uh, four to four, uh, Sox took a 5-4 to four lead in the sixth inning, and then it was bombs away, eighth and ninth inning, five runs apiece in both innings. That Those innings took forever. This game would just not end. It runs, 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 runs. Uh, the final was 15-4. to four. Some highlights. Bogart had a two-run homer in there. Uh, Sandy Leone had a two-RBI single. Chris Young had a two-RBI single. Mookie Betts had a two-RBI single. And this, although it was Xander Bogart's game again, was just another four-for-five game, four runs, three RBI. Sandy Leone was four-for-four four in this game, and he's still hitting 1,000. So let's give him some props. It was four singles, though. Like, it wasn't like the... Like, I don't care. I, it was four for four, but one, Sandy Lone is not anywhere in these long-term plans. He's not that good. And the fact is, they were all singles. But a single is still a hit. You go four, four, four singles, I don't care. Yeah, man. He's been good every time he's played. Don't be hating. No, I will. <laughs> if that, <laughs> if that was Andrew Bogart's going four for four, four singles, he'd be all over it. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you right, Lauren, Calling him out on it. <laughs> you think Xander Bogarts is good with his 358 average? Xander Dunn's hitting 1,000. <laughs> yeah, with four at that. No, no, no. He said more than that. Five for five. Okay, okay yeah. <laughs> Give him his credit where he deserves it, all right? <laughs> oh, no, he did He did uh, get one at bat today and, and uh, got out. So he's hitting 833 now, but through this game, he was five for five. So let's give him all the credit in the world. Okay. So that, so that was a fifteen to four win. So we're thinking we're we're real nice here with our sweep. We got twenty three runs in two games, outscored them twenty three to five, brought us into today Sunday, and this wasn't a bad game. It just didn't work out in the end. Uh, it was an interesting one. Um, Minnesota got up early. They got a run in the first and a run in the second. Both kind of piddly runs. RBI ground out. RBI fielder's choice um, wasn't really Porcello doing bad. It was just a couple hits, a couple ground outs. Um, but Pat Dean of Boston College, pitching for Minnesota, he was he was shutting down the Red Sox. Scoreless through four innings. Chris Young got a blast home run. Speak of the devil, Chris Young. His six been tearing it up. I'm telling yeah, you, he's been playing really well. Six home runs now. He's on his way to my 23. Um, that made it two to one. Twins got two runs back in the sixth inning. Made it four to one. One was on a Xander Bogarts error. He had two in this game, which was very weird because he. He's only made two the whole season before today, yep. and now he had two in this game. We'll forgive him. It was tough, but not everyone can be perfect all the time, uh, even though he's darn close to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that made a 4-1 to one for Porcello. Porcello did last seven innings, five hits, four runs. Only one earned because of the two errors, two walks, five strikeouts. So I'd say an encouraging week for him. He got back to pitching pretty solidly, more like you'd expect from him rather than the couple bad outings he had. So that was really good. Uh, and not that his outings were bad, he still went five innings at least in all of them and did decent. He just gave up too many runs. So, but he seems to be better now. Um, the Sox tied the game in the eighth inning. Uh, yep. Another error for the Twins this time. Eduardo Nunez threw a ball 
way over the bag at second into the outfield. Sox scored two runs on that, and then Ortiz grounded a double play to tie it at four. Unfortunately, they couldn't capitalize more there. Game went into extra innings, and Max Kepler hit his first career home run, a three-run bomb to center field. Game winner off of Matt Barnes. Should Craig Kimbrell have been in the game at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Like, I don't really see a reason why he, why he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, Barnes has pitched pretty well so far, but you think in a tie game, wrap up the, the sweep, just get those guys out. They're not good. Just get them out and get the hitting back up, see if you can get a run. Didn't give him a chance since Barnes gave up the three-run homer, unfortunately. So that was that. 7-4 to four win for the Twins. No sweep. A 3-2 and two week. Um, but, I mean, easily could have been 5-0. and oh. It's... I'd say it was a fine week. A lot of, a lot more good offense, some solid play all around. Uh, better pitching between only giving up three and ten innings to the Giants, two and nine innings, one to the Twins on Friday. I'd, I'd say it was a pretty encouraging week despite a three and two record. No, yeah, no. Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it was an encouraging week, and especially you know how they won against the Giants too. The Giants are a very good team, um, and so that was nice to see. I know they only got one from them, but just like you said earlier, really could have gone any way in that series. So it was nice to see them just put up good fight in both games. And, you know, I know we talked last week about the Twins, and we thought it was going to be a sweep, but there's always, we talked about there's always that one game where something can happen. And like today, something did happen in one of those games where they just couldn't get the sweep. Yeah, and I think that the first game against the Giants was huge for this team because they took the win before Bob Garner even took the mound. So at that point, your worst-case scenario split with them, and they're a good team. There's no question about it. So um, I think that was a big telling sign for me that it wasn't just some of the bad teams you're beating up. You were able to get, have good games against the top teams in the league. Yeah, it was it was definitely a good week. Um, MVP, no question about this one. Uh, <laughs> I don't even need to look at anyone else's numbers. Xander Bogarts was 12 for 24, a nice 500 average, two homers, oh. 10 RBI, five runs. He was obviously 8 for 10 in the first two Twins games. Absolutely nuts. Nobody's touching him this week. A little 500 batting average for the boy right there. Sorry, 11, that's nice. Excuse me, 11 RBI. I missed one. <laughs> wow. That's good. <laughs> Stop doing RBI. my boy injustice. Don't do my boy injustice. Come on now. I caught it. When, it's all good. When you give Chris Young the credit for going 4 for 4, then Jess will give him the proper San, RBI. Sandy Leon. Sandy <laughs> Leon. Get it wow. <laughs> But Chris Young had two home runs this week, too, so like, don't forget about him either. Oh, I gave him plenty of credit. I think Chris Young's – I love when they pick him up. I'm, I'm happy he's on the team. I think that a lot of people crapped on Chris Young way too early. Um, and I think that he is – I think he's going to be good for this team down the stretch, especially with Blake Swire probably being out for the year. No, don't say that. No. You know he's out, he's, he's out for no, the year. No, keeping that positive vibes. <laughs> but, yeah, nobody's touching Bogarts. Uh, it was a good week for other guys, you know, for this between Leon and Chris Young and whatnot, but this was Xander's week, and nobody's going to tell me differently. Yeah, no, it was a great week for Xander. Um, there you go, Jess's recap. Always fun. Improv edition again, because, you know, he he was having a life today, so he didn't have the time to do it all, but, you know, Jess, you're doing a great job with these improv things. You just do it all the time. Yeah, I'm just so familiar with the team, and I'm obviously on top of every game, so I don't really necessarily need it written out for me to roll on through it. Beautiful job, as always. Um one thing that I did want to make sure we talked about, because I know we did talk about this with Rochi, was um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Because now he's got a couple starts under his belt. Obviously, I don't think he's 100%, but 
something's up with him still. That is it all injury, or is there something mental about him not being able to push off, or what? What do you guys think is going on with Erod right now? I mean, I think it could very well be both still injury and and mental. I mean, a knee injury is not easy to come back from, no matter what it is, and to not have that trust in your knee is is crucial. Like you, you don't want to be questioning like. If I push off the wrong way, is it going to dislocate again? Am I going to fall to the ground? Like, what can I do to, like, protect my leg and my knee from not giving out? And I don't think he is over that. And I I mean, I've dislocated my knee before. It hurts. And it hurts for a, even when it's, quote, unquote, healed, it still hurts. And there's still that, like, trust factor in it. So I can definitely see it being both. But I think he needs to figure it out, like, yesterday. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's definitely a combination of he's probably not comfortable yet coming off the injury, healthy or not, just not comfortable, period. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations on him between because of how well he pitched last year and then just coming in with the injury and everyone wants him to kind of be, you know, that number two starter, which clearly he's not because obviously Price and Wright are better than him and Porcel is better. They're all better than him at this point. Um, <laughs> there's no way in heck he's the second starter at this point. It's lucky to be the five yep. starter. But... So there's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of hype around him and a lot of pressure on him. And I think that, you know, people didn't know what he was capable of last year. So he pitched well. Batters didn't know what was coming. Now maybe they know what's coming. His control's kind of all over the place. He's had a lot of walks. So I think maybe people were hyping him too much and maybe he's not as good as he was last year. He could be. I'm willing to, to say that he is as well. But between not being comfortable, having a lot of hype, and not being known last year, I'm slightly concerned it, to of how good he really could be. Yeah, I think that it's now, it's like a game of runs. Like, it's like basketball, how basketball can be a game of runs. It's now just, it's his turn now to adjust the league, um, be consistent and kind of start doing more film watching before games. Don't just rely on his stuff because now that he's a known commodity, people are going to be ready to play against him. It's not like he's a young kid just coming up. So um, expect him to obviously make his changes. I'm not worried yet, but as the time comes on here, as we get closer to the deadline, um, I think you're going to have to start keeping a closer eye on him because that he is ultimately um, the kind of cog that makes you think, okay, are they going to go minor move or are they going to go major move if they really don't have him consistently as he was last year? Yeah, I think it's an important couple of months or even weeks for that matter. I, I kind of compare him to Travis Shaw on offense because they're kind of in a similar spot, both new in their career, both have had success early and now both yep. struggling. It's like exactly the same situation. And like Dan said about Shaw, it's you know time to see if he can make his adjustments, see if he can settle into the league, or is he going to go back to the AAA and never become anything. I think they're in the exact same situation, so I think it's a very important time for both of them to, ter- to determine if they're actually going to be in this league or not. Is, is Travis Shaw in a slump? I know we asked Dan this, but... Um... Is is he going to come out of this, or, or is he? Is this just what he is? Is he is he coming back to her? Hmm. I mean, I hope it's not who he is, but I think he just needs to get over the fear and not and it, the fear in his his injury and his knee. And I think he's much better than what he's shown us. I don't think this is the real him. Are you talking about Erod or Shaw? Shaw. Yeah. Were you talking about Erod, Lauren? Well, I'm still on Erod. Yeah, what? Okay. Uh, well, Lauren, Sh- the game. <laughs> well, Shaw then. Shaw. Is Shaw on a slump? Is Shaw, is this what Shaw is? No, it's not what he is. He's just, 
he's in a slump, and he had obviously a very good start to the season, a very good in the past few weeks, and then it's just like any other player when they hit a slump, it's they get really hot and then they they cool off and then everyone kind of freaks out. So yeah, I don't. I it's tough to know. I mean, I know Adam picked him because I like bringing it back to predictions. I know Adam picked him to be a triple triple A player at best, and he didn't think he was going to be a good major league player because he didn't have that good of numbers in triple A and whatnot. And obviously, he started off so well. It's tough to tell at this point because obviously he's in a huge slump. I mean, he was hitting like 330. He's all the way down to 270. So if you drop your average 60 points, you're doing really, really bad. So hard to tell. I think pitchers know how to pitch him now, obviously, because they're getting him out at this point. Um, so he, yeah, he has to adjust. And that's the question. Can he adjust? Tough to tell. Um, I really would hate to see him lose the job after after earning it in spring training. I, I, I'm having a trouble deciding which way I think he's going to go. I'm really not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's really up in the air. I think I think it's really I'm really torn too. Um, I want to hope he leans towards what he we've seen him do for the most part, and I think he will. Um, but I think he's going to have to just consistently hit lefties and um, become more of a consistent hitter. Obviously, he was doing so much that any slump at all, like you said, Lauren's going to cause most people to panic. Um, but I think that in the middle ground from what he's been doing and the slump numbers, I think is where he needs to be. And, and I think he's got plenty of time to do that. So I'm not hitting the panic button on Travis Shaw by any means. Um, I'd be more worried about Hanley than I would be about Shaw. And I'm not really that worried about Hanley either. So um, I, I think he's got, you have to be in the middle ground there. Um, one thing that really concerns me though, is what you really have for trade assets with Swihart and Sam Travis not being there because you know you're probably not getting rid of Ben Tandy or Mankata. Um, but this might actually force, if Domrossi really wants to make a move, he might have to pick one to not get rid of and actually get rid of one of those guys. And at that point, who do you choose? Yeah, I don't, I don't, go ahead. Oh, so that's a, if I wouldn't want to be in Dombrowski's position with that. Yeah, it's, it's tough because you obviously don't want to trade the wrong guy. If, you know, like trading someone like who could turn to Bogarts or Betts or someone like that, it's obviously challenging to figure out who, who that's going to be because it's not always clear for a while. I, I mean, if I were him, I, I hate trades. Obviously, everyone knows I hate trades. I don't like talking about it. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like figuring it out. <laughs> but at this point, with those guys injured and the uncertainty of the other guys, like thinking that they're going to be really good players, I think it might yep. be easier just not to do anything. And I know Dombrowski doesn't want to do that, but with the team playing so well, the offense playing so well, I think he might just ride it out, see how the offense does, and just hope the pitching can get it in gear. That wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if that was the case either, just because I don't think he wants to deal too much just for this year when this team is a fringe, I wouldn't say fringe playoff team, I guess they kind of are, but um, I don't think they're going to make a serious run anyway, So, and I think they feel the same way as an organization, so I think that um, he's going to kind of keep his chips close to himself, because I think they really do believe that Benintendi and Moncada both can be in this lineup for years to come down the road. Yeah, I mean, I I can absolutely see why. Because, I mean, obviously they're both very solid right now. But, I mean, do you kind of throw in a question about both of you? Do you see Dombrowski moving either of them? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Ben Attendee's just nuts. Everyone's just raving about him. He's flying through the minors. He's really good. Well, look what, look what Rochi just said, too. Because he was saying how scouts have said that they have, like, the best, one of the, some of the best hitting prospects in, the, in, like, right. in baseball. So, like, and then you know that includes both of them. So, but doesn't that, um, like... With Dombrowski having the uh, the reputation of kind of ruining farm systems, does that uh, like frighten you at all? I don't think it does because I think he know, he pulled the trigger when he had teams that potentially should have won the World Series. Um, 
he doesn't have a team that I don't think I don't think he sees this team as a World Series team. Um, and I think that because of that, with the pr- future of my, I don't think I think if he deals with anyone, it's going to be Benintendi. Um, because I think right now he has more value, so he'd probably get more for him. Um, but I think you can't go wrong either way. I just think that right now he views this team as, let's see what happens, see if the pitching corrects itself. Maybe we can get a minor league, not a minor league guy, but like a minor deal done that doesn't involve those two. That would make more sense, just because you don't want to blow it up with that. But it's hard to know because he might be like, well, we can afford him up one of these guys because we have so many good offensive players already. That's the only thing yeah, Exactly. So you, it's just you got to fill in the holes. You got to see what's going on. Maybe you you have to really evaluate Travis Shaw and what your plans are for the future because then you have to figure out a place for Mankata. If Pedroia lasts longer than you want him to, you got to find a spot for Mankata. Probably play later on. Is Sandoval going to come back? <laughs> is Sandoval? There's so much to forecast for the next month. You know what I mean? Like there's so much to forecast. Um, and of course that fat lard is in the middle of all of it, so you don't know what's going on um, well, until next year. It's funny with him because you're like. Wow, is he ever going to play again? But then you think, oh, Shaw's falling off. What if he turns out to be nothing? And then you're right back to the end of all. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you really are. It's a vicious circle. Yeah. Um, and then you have, but then you have the reports of out of San Francisco while they were out there that like the, his hitting his coaches and stuff came out and said like, yeah, he had an eating problem. Like and like it was more obvious though. Like they were saying that he used to order pizzas to the dugout because he told his wife that. The, the team didn't feed them, so then she would order him food and make him food when he got home too. That's a good wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> like, but I mean, like he would lie to his wife just to get more food, and it's just like it, that's insane to me. And that's the story that we're dealing with now, and that's why you don't know what's going to happen. So Moncada's right there. Um, obviously, he's still in single A, um, but you never know in a couple years what's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I just. I don't know how fast he's going to come up, but always Benintendi will be here first. It seems like it. Yeah, it's always tough to determine how quickly guys will go through, and you know, not everyone pulls a Mookie Betts and goes to the minors like it's like Nothing. one year. It's like oh, like one year, yeah. four league, oh, <laughs> majors for you. That doesn't happen very much, so we'll see. Um, so obviously we talked a lot of Red Sox stuff, and I do want to tuck on a few headlines for around the league before we do our predictions and get out of here. Um. Toronto guys, I know this is kind of Red Sox related, but are they scaring you at all? They're they're playing pretty well. Um, I mean, I I kind of always saw them as a threat this season for how well they played last year, and, and they're always a pretty solid team. So with the start they had, just kind of when and that they had their own little slump, are they scaring me? Not yet, no. But I mean, they're definitely a team to to watch out for. Yeah, they're on the verge. I mean, their offense is finally coming together, which is why people thought they'd be good in the first place. Encarnacion's finally deciding to hit the ball, which took a while because he was hitting like 220, and now he's finally hit a bunch of home runs. He hit several this week, probably like three or four this week, um, and Batista and Donaldson still aren't doing that well either. So if the rest of them kind of jump on board, uh, and the offense is coming together now. It's obviously, it's something to watch out for. They have 35 wins, only one less than... The Sox and Orioles, they have a couple more losses with 30, but they're definitely right there, and people expect them to be good, so they're they're going to be ready. Yeah, and the staff's looking better now, and I think they're doing well, so definitely um, definitely something to keep an eye on, obviously, within the division. But one story that I wish would come true um, is the Madison Baumgartner thing. He wants to be in the home run derby, 
Um, and apparently Jake, Ar- I didn't see this until I just read this now in front of me, but Jake Arrieta wants to too. Like, yeah, it came out today that he's also interested. <laughs> like, what is that? Um, Bruce Bochy already said no, right, to Madison Baumgartner, so I don't think that's going to happen. I didn't see that. But... Um, I'm pretty sure when it, when it first came out, he, uh, I saw something where Bochy said no. Like, he doesn't want him to do yeah, it. Yeah, he was the uh, kind of guy who would not want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd be intrigued to see if Joe Madden would let Jake Arrieta do it. I think it would be more likely than Bochy letting him. Because I feel like if any manager would let their National League pitcher, stud pitcher, do it, it would be Joe Madden. Yeah, I can definitely see Madden doing that. But I think it would be so fun to see pitchers in the home run derby, even if it's just one. Like, I think it would be so much fun. Get a couple dingers, get the crowd going. You know, it's it's something different. It's too bad, though, because I feel like Bumgarner would be more fun than Arietta because he's obviously the best hitter. Dude, Bumgarner could put, make a push. Like, he consistently hits. He could, If he gets, like, batting practice balls, he could put some over the fence consistently. Yeah, I mean, he has 13 home runs in his career. That's awesome. <laughs> I know it's his career. It's not just, like, one season, but it's, you know, over five or six seasons. But that's really impressive because most guys don't get any. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's him doing it like that is very impressive for sure. Do you have enough guys um, come out saying they want to do it though? They might as well just have a pitcher somewhere on Derby. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Get, like, Can we get Buckles to do it so I can just laugh at him more? <laughs> In his lefty batting stance. Yeah. Oh man. Get like six pitchers to do his batting, or even four. I don't care. Just. Ooh, Bartolo Colon. Yes. Oh, the helmet would be off every. That'd be so much fun. There you go. You have Bumgarner, Arietta, Buckholz, and Cologne. There you go. That's a home run. <laughs> I'd, I'd, it'd be like the celebrity softball game, only better. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the managers are going to kill themselves because their pitchers are hitting. Right. <laughs> and I do. And I love the celebrity softball game. And I tell you, I do. I'm a big fan of the celebrity softball game for some reason. That would outdo it for me. I would love to see four pitchers just go at it for a home run derby. So you cannot get hurt. <laughs> you know would be really cool? Yeah, a friend brought this up to me the other day. If they had a wiffle ball game at the All-Star game. That'd be interesting. That'd be a lot of fun. Like, seeing, like, I would say, I guess you could see the All-Stars playing wiffle ball. Like, how fun would that be? It'd be different. That's for sure. It'd be very different. I thought it'd be a cool idea. I, I grew up playing a lot of wiffle ball, so I, I thought it was kind of cool of an idea. Um, but obviously, a, a kind of a big week ahead next game for the Red Sox is Tuesday against the Orioles. David Price is pitching. So, uh, we can kind of go here and make our predictions. Three versus the Orioles, three versus the Mariners. Big home stretch coming. Um, Lauren, how, how are they going to fare against the Orioles this week? They're going to sweep them. That's what they're oh, man. <laughs> um, it's optimism coming back. coming back. It is bold, and I don't know. I'm just feeling good about this week, and I'm going to be at two of those games. So That's why. I'll be yeah. at one of them. Woo! Can't wait. But no, I think you know, they're – they're playing really well. I know the Orioles are playing well too, but I think you know, home stretch now, and they're just gonna keep just keep on with this with this push they're making, and it's they're gonna sweep them. Mark my words. <laughs> um, I think it's gonna be two out of three, just because we've talked about it earlier too. Um, you have Wright and Price going, and I think you win both those games, um, and then from there that wild card at the end. But I think you win two out of three because of those guys are pitching in the series. And I think that's ultimately why I just give them the, head, the heads up over them. Yeah, it's definitely smart. And I mean, it's, it's the Orioles are on a downswing right now because they just got destroyed three straight games. Well, not, I mean, today was 10 to nine, but they were down seven to two yeah. early on. Yeah. They got swept by the, the uh, Blue Jays. So they've lost three in a row. So they're not in the best of place right now. And they are 12 and 15 in the road. So I can feel both of your predictions. I'm saying two out of three. I don't think they're going to lose six in a row. That's, probably a little too much to ask so but we're at home big games to win your two best pitchers going I feel pretty good about two out of three yeah I, I love two out of three I think they're going to do well against the Orioles um then you got three against the Mariners guys Mariners are playing well um 
Cano's having a great year this year. Mm-hmm. Finally kind of living up to his contract, kind of. He's hitting the crap out of the ball at a park that nobody should be hitting the crap out of the ball at. So um, I think he's having a good year. I have them winning two out of three against the Mariners. I think that they're going to ride high off that series against the Orioles um, and, and take care of business here at home. Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going two out of three as well. Love it. <laughs> um, why? I, I just, you know, I don't kind of going off my predictions from last week. I know I picked on the sweep, um, the Orioles this week, but there can be that one game when just something happens, and I think that's going to be against the Mariners. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a sweep. I got two out of three also. They're 34 and 29, and they're actually 19 and 11 on the road as opposed to 15 and 18 at home. They're way better on the road, which is obviously where they are because we're home. Um, so I think it'll be a good series. Like you said, Jared Cano is playing really well. Uh, I think a sweep would be too much to ask. So going again, two out of three, a four and two week. And it's just, I don't know, with home series and with series in general, I feel like two out of three, if you're a good team, is usually a pretty solid bet. Yeah, because like we said, I mean, you, you lose a game against the Twins, something happens. So like losing a game against a good team like one of these two teams, it's not a shame. It's a tough week yeah. ahead. So if you can take two out of three from both um, teams and go four and two or five and one in Lauren's case, that's a good week. So I, I don't I definitely wouldn't bet at four and two, um, especially because if that's the case, you're in first place after the week's over. So that's always nice to see too. Three and three wouldn't um, even be a bad week against these two teams. Yeah, really, it wouldn't because these two teams are good teams. Obviously, you're fighting with Baltimore. You've seen them a few times. The Mariners are doing well at West. So um, really, actually, a tough league of baseball heads the Red Sox guys overall. Yeah, I'm glad they're all home. I think it'll be definitely a good test. Yeah, I say three and three and better. We're talking about a good week. I like it. Well. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's another episode of Red Sox Beat. And it, it was great. As always, we appreciate Dan coming on as well because uh, Dan Roach was a good time coming on. We appreciate that. Of course, this show was brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, it's a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and a pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th of this month at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive this month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. It's the 19th of every month. Make sure to head to lucrate.com backslash CLNS and enter that promo code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. Um, guys, great job. We have a good week ahead of baseball. Of course, you can follow us on Red Sox, uh, at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter, Red Sox beat podcast uh, on Facebook. Follow us on Uh, rate review and subscribe on itunes as well as stitcher another big shout out and big thanks to uh dan roach rochi from wbc and the sports hub coming on uh this week great guest so i'll hopefully get him back on at some point down the line maybe before the playoffs but before that that obviously happens we have a whole season of baseball to fall so for for this week just thomas lauren campbell i am jared scally talk to you next week this is red sox beat on clns radio